Welcome to the Heart to Kill podcast, the official podcast of the Heart to Kill program, the world's leading program for driven individuals looking to gain direction and momentum, where we aim to break down the complex, multifaceted and holistic factors of human performance and optimization. Both on the program and on this podcast, we will be discussing and excavating everything pertaining to psychological resilience, physical robustness, and leading by example with discipline and tenacity to create a culture of winning, especially in the turbulent, frenetic, and high-tempo world of the ambitious individual. This is Mark, the creator, senior DS, and head coach of the Heart of program. Let's get stuck straight into it. Awesome. So welcome to the Heart of Kill podcast, Mr. Simon Jeffries. How are you doing, mate? Very well. Thank you for having me on. I mean, that's a false question because you and I have actually already spent the day together filming for YouTube. Um, maybe we ought to have done this at the beginning of the day because you and I have spent guts of nearly 12 hours together, uh, done some great stuff today. But for those of the followers on the podcast or the people listening to the podcast who aren't familiar with you, who are you, mate? What do you do? So Simon Jeffries, long story short, grew up on a farm, joined the military, Royal Marines first, then went through selection, finished off my career with the SBS, left the military, had no real plan what to do. Spent a couple of years corporate London, realized that that was definitely not the path. Went down the path of starting a business, made loads of mistakes, ended up broke at one point, living back at home with my parents, with my business partner. It's at that point when we were rock bottom that we started the natural head, the natural hedge, the natural <laughs> edge. We'll edit that bit. Which has been a journey in itself. And now we are basically a mindset and performance coaching brand. Mm -hmm who work with business owners, essentially remove stress and overwhelm and put all the pieces of the puzzle that they have, which are misaligned and are stopping them feeling their, the fulfillment and satisfaction in life that they have available to them and unlocking that and just taking them to that next level of performance. Incredible. So an awful lot to unpack there. And as you and I have uncovered today, like we're very closely aligned on a number of things. And we met for the first time this morning in a dark, cold, dark, cold car park somewhere in the Peak District before then getting into our Grundies and jumping in a fucking freezing cold lake. And we've had the whole day to talk about not only that, but also how closely our worldviews are aligned. So talk me through like the initial uh, decision of leaving, you know, a tier one unit and then, you know, going into the corporate world. Talk to me about that. Because I think, you know, we can talk about the tier one stuff, but, you know, it might not be the, the highest point of impact to, to learn about today. For me, I the military was all I wanted to do mm. from a young age growing up in the country, you know, grew up in the outdoors. That was that was my only aim. So early on in life my my early years were easy in the sense that i had a very clear idea from an early age of this is this is who i am this is what i'm going to do so it was a very clear path followed that was very fortunate in the career that i had did eight years three tours of afghan and just got to the point where i ticked pretty much all of the boxes that i'd wanted to it was getting to that point where i wanted to take back more control of my time not be away all the time you know, I had a long-term girlfriend at that point and it just came to that decision point of I'm either going to stay and commit to another sort of five, 10 years, or this is the point to leave when I'm in my early thirties rather than my forties. Mm. So made that decision to leave. And I didn't really have a clear plan for the first time ever. I was at that point where many people find themselves of, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I know that it's the right decision to leave. And so I just have to trust that I'll make that leap and I'll, I'll just figure it out. Mm. I, I left at a point where I was still enjoying the career but it was probably that tipping point of tick the boxes and it was st starting to get wearing not having that control over my time of mm. being all the away basically yeah all, all of the time yeah 100 percent, and that's something we speak to an awful amount of guys about yourself probably included in that of what it is most people actually want when we get to the crux of it 
in terms of a metric of success is freedom of choice over how and where we spend our time. And if we truly talk about freedom, it's rarely like freedom to, you know, spend all your days sipping pina coladas on a beach in the Bahamas. It's like, well, freedom from other people governing my time, freedom from answering to anybody to an extent. So definitely closely aligned with that. What then happened when you went into the corporate space down in, down in London, mate? So I, so I ended up, my, my girlfriend at the time, she got a job in London. I was like, well, fine, let's, let's go to London. Mm. Cause she'd put up with me doing the stuff that I did in the military. So you know, that was my turn to support her. Went to London and I ended up getting a job. It was just through a careers fair where military leavers you can go to. There's lots of different companies. Had a chat. It was a management consultancy. And they just seemed like good guys. And they were good guys, medium-sized company. And I was like, sounds all right. Why not? Give it a go. Um, I needed to get a job. And it was, to be fair, out of the in terms of landings, it was good. They were a great company. They understood. I, I remember actually saying I met one of the directors and basically this was my second chat and he's like you know we're happy to offer you a place and i should remember saying at the time i was like you do know i don't know anything about because it was in the construction industry i don't know anything about the construction industry it's like it's fine mm. you'll pick that up so they're very supportive which was brilliant but i realized almost immediately i remember my poor girlfriend at the time we're no longer together but i remember coming back after the second week and in her head it was like great finally stability this is it we're going to london we're going to stability and i came back and i was like i'm not doing this this is shit we, we could do all these other, we need to go and do other stuff i think it did actually cause bring her to tears she was like oh my god yeah. so i realized very quickly that that wasn't the path and so that then set me on to figuring out what is it what is the answer hmm. and the way i got to that i i just every single day i asked myself the question who do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? What's the work I want to be doing? How do I want to be spending my time? And I kept a notepad and all I was, I was reading books, Googling everything and anything and just scribbling down ideas and just giving myself permission to basically explore anything, like all these different avenues. And two months of doing that day in, day out, of, of sort of inputting that into the subconscious and percolating it, I can, t I can tell you the exact point. I was sat on a bus going into work and I was reading at the time the four-hour work week week by tim ferris mm. and funnily enough i tried to read that book maybe four years before when i was in the military and i, I didn't get very far into it. it just didn't resonate it just didn't i was because i was at a very different time my whole identity was around my whole identity at that point was around the military and being a soldier so i taught the stuff about business and starting a bit it just didn't connect with me at all but i remember sitting on that bus and reading that book and i just had that aha moment i was like business and specifically online business it ticks the box of freedom in terms of geographical freedom but also financial freedom of if you can create something that is scalable i.e not time for money brilliant mm. so it just i was like that's it i was busy and it was as clear as that was as powerful as the point when i was younger when i decided i'm going to be in the military i'm going to join the military i was like that is it it just you know, you have that feeling like this is the right path. And I, I had no, I couldn't tell you what the business was, no idea what it would look like, any of that. Just the fact that online business, that was the path yeah. going forwards. It's very easy for people to arrive at the wrong lesson or draw the wrong conclusions when you speak about aha moments like that of, oh, well, it just came to you. Oh, it's easy for you because you figured it out. But I want to just reverse a little bit to what you said of, you know, for 20, for, I can't remember how long you said it two was. Months. Two months, you're writing down every single day, quote unquote, fucking manifesting. Like, well, what is it I want to do? Who do I want to be? How do I turn up? What problems do I want to solve? How do I want to live my life? 
And I'm a huge advocate for optimizing for the outcome. And the outcome I often optimize my life towards is what I want the average Tuesday to look like for me. Like, do I want to fucking end it all? Or am I inspired and am I happy with life? So you're actually doing the work there. And there's a, a number of like neurobiological processes happening when you're doing that. But above and beyond anything else, you're gearing your subconscious up to be subconsciously seeking opportunity and then when it presented itself like that passion of okay how do i want to live my life met that purpose of well he's this here are the skills i have that can improve other people's lives and that was the aha moment so that was the work that obviously got you to to a pivotal moment and you know that's ultimately how you are and where you are now and then what was it like what are some of the realities you very quickly learned when you got into business because this is something you and i chatted about earlier of irrespective yeah. of the field, the domain, the product or service, you're going to eat a lot of shit sandwiches and be okay with that. It is the, anyone that starts any business in any form, I take my hat off to, it is hmm. harder in many ways than anything I did in the military. In the military, yes, it was very taxing. It was very hard, the stuff, things that you do, but there were much more, there were much clearer parameters, i.e. Royal Marines training is eight months. You have to pass X, Y, and z tests and if you get through that you're in selection is six months these are parameters it's, it's much more clearly defined with business there is there are so many more variables and unknowns and you could be trying something for two years or 20 years mm -hmm. and not get exactly where you want to be and it's i think it's the again with the military you go through intense periods of something hard and it's usually physically related it's obviously mentally as well but physically or mentally related but again more defined parameters with business, it's, it's it's almost like a constant low level, particularly around the financial side, because you broke so much of the time. It's just there, sort of twenty four hours a day, and not having that that security is really really testing. And we, I think everyone goes into business with that, and I guess you have to, because if you knew the realities in the outset, would you do it? Is the question. Mm. You go in with that optimism. You know, John and I. So I teamed up with John. John was just finishing his time in the military. And I remember calling him after I made that decision and saying, you're going to hate having a job. Let's start a business. He was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And we read all the books, all the different business books, which lists out all the mistakes, classic mistakes that people mm -hmm. make. And we were convinced, we're like, well, we've seen the mistakes. We're not going to make them. <laughs> How? <Yeah>. <laughs> we know it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we made every, sing every single mistake that we read about, we fell into that trap mm -hmm. and made it. And I don't think you can bypass that. And and so our journey really looked like in the beginning, like I said, we had no idea what, what that business would look like. And so we try, I've, we've imported stuff from China to sell on Amazon. So I <laughs> bespoke lemon squeezer in my drawer at home. On sale now. We had, uh, we had this random, it was a bit of a side thing. It was never going to be a big business, but just to make some cash spread betting, which you can do in the UK where you basically take advantage of deals mm. and place opposing bets. And you could, you could probably, if you got really good at it and put eight hours in a day, you could probably make a couple of grand a month. But to us who were so broke, mm. that would have been great. We hired a V8, this guy, Vedran, it was in like Bulgaria, mate. We'd have zoom calls with him and he'd be sat in like a Russian looking like metal, you know, those beds with no mattress on, mm. just like smoking a cigarette cigarette and the balkans mm. and we get him to log into accounts like va wise and do a spread betting so we did that loads of little things like that we were exploring ideas that we never even got off the ground and then our first business because john can code was around uh, people who do forex trading and it was just a logging platform we're like 
that no one's using feedback in the same way we were talking earlier about that you need that a training diary for physical training well let's apply that to people who want to do training and we got a little bit of traction but a year in we basically spent blown all our savings on creating a website that no one visited various cash and lots of things we probably didn't definitely didn't need mm. and it got to a point and again I, I very clearly remember the conversation we were stood outside john's house in Burrison edmonds it was like a summer day and we were like this isn't this isn't right this isn't going to work is it and what we'd have to put into it it just it wasn't worth it and we didn't care about it our massive mistake in the beginning we were trying to start a business to make money mm. we're like we're gonna we're gonna make something we're gonna make loads of cash within a couple of years we'll be you know great online business will be rolling in it mm. and so we weren't really passionate about it we made all the mistakes spent all our cash um, and we just call we had to call it it's like that sunk cost fallacy that we keep going and spending more of our time and effort and something we don't really care about and probably isn't going to work or we just can it accept that that is it hasn't worked learn the lessons from it and then figure out what the next step is so again there's an incredible amount to unpack there and i resonated with that as any kind of business owner will resonate with as they're listening to it because the map is not the territory and you know you have probably uh, quoted various mistakes to other people who are slightly earlier on in the process. And again, they've just been like, yeah, fuck off. And they'll do it and, you know, you fail. And I've certainly done it. And any business owner I've sat and spoken to, whether it be yourself or Stars or any of those guys, they've all had to fail forward and all made like Im immeasurable mistakes. But ultimately, it then does lead you through a process of iteration. If you can just find a way to not give up and, and truly have almost almost a disillusional uh, belief that something is there and something's going to happen, then good things do happen. So then you started the successful coaching company that you have now. Um, and where's that taken you to so far, mate? It's funny you, you talk about a disillusionment. I think John and I would often talk about it and what we'd always come back to was what else are we going to do? Mm. Like what we don't have a plan B. And, you know, we're in a fortunate position of if we had to get a job, even if that was in Tesco's, like, we could walk in into a job to, mm. we could, if the back was against the wall I need to find work and I had to one you know so when we were at that rock bottom point kind of spent everything both our relationships ended at that point probably because we were working all the hours around our normal jobs um to make it happen and we both moved so mid-30s both moved back in with my parents again fortunate that we could do that small farm in Worcestershire we shared a Ford Focus that cost 350 quid we were paying ourselves each 400 quid a month and it was it was like stepbrothers minus the bunk beds that's how we were living but it was that point we just said basically we've got nothing to lose let's just do something we actually care about which has always been health performance mindset when we're in the military you know we were that kind of pesty level of looking like i said to you earlier when we went on the selection special forces selection the hills phase there were no companies back then talking about tactical athletes or training it was just nothing out there so we sat down and went right how would an endurance athlete how would an endurance cyclist approach something like this right let's break down the nutrition let's break down what physical training doing the mobility stretching all the one percent we so at that point we'd come across clive woodward and the one percent rule that he used with the 2003 world cup team and we just applied that we're like where are all the one percent that we can stack up so we always had that passion around it and that's the natural edge was born out of it but even on that journey, I'd say for the first three years, it was the right path in terms of we're doing something we're passionate about. We really struggled to find, to create. It's like it's like having a vision, but it's distorted. It's blurry. You, you know there's something in it, but it's not clear. And so we had to go through lots of different iterations of coaching programs and styles of training and live events and in person and online. And it, it always felt 
kind of like there's a friction. It always felt like hard work. It never felt easy. And then within that period, you know, talk about second jobs. I had to, I went and did close protection work for like eighteen months to supplement. It was two weeks on, two weeks on, to, off mm. to supplement that. And it's only probably in the last two years where we've refined down. So we went from trying to provide everything to just mindset and then being very broad with our targeting to just working with business owners or sort of high level business leaders. And the more we've refined the training and the people that we work with, that vision has got clearer and clearer to the point now it's like, we, I can see it. I can see exactly what that is. And things just become, although it's still a lot of work, it's become easier. Like the clearer that direction and vision has become, the less stressful it's become and the easier it's been to get results. Yeah, 100%. You know, we, we speak a lot about um, vision and mission. And even when there's not that degree of clarity, there still needs to be work ongoing to iterate what your massively transformative purpose is, because that's what gives you, put too much of a woo-woo point on it, it's what gives you the spiritual strength to overcome the tactical challenges that you are going to face. And, you know, a lot of people who maybe haven't started businesses quote like, oh, you know, build it and they will come. But then you do it and you realize, well, that was bollocks. <laughs> that that didn't work. And you're going to you know, come up short and you're going to fail forward and you're going to experience these moments of adversity. And then subsequently, you know, you, you arrive where you're at and, you know, you have now got not only the map of the territory, but you know the territory you've been on the ground. And I think as you and I have been discussing an awful lot today, authenticity is paramount. Like I'm a huge advocate that you can only coach from the depths you've authentically been to. And that doesn't have to look like the situational specifics, but more like the pressures, the emotions, how you've governed yourself, how you've responded. Because, you know, I don't want to say lesser men, but lesser men would have buckled under that pressure of like, we failed, I'm living with my parents again, fuck this. Let's, let's go by the proven route and let's go do that. So then having that pressure, I guess, allows you the authenticity and confidence to communicate to business leaders when maybe things aren't going well, business founders, when things aren't always going to be going smoothly. Maybe they've got like a key hire, but they don't feel like they've got the revenue for it and all that sort of stuff. It gives you the authenticity to, to, to uncover that. How important do you feel like your own personal standards have been in creating you know, your confidence in facilitating that? In terms of personal standards. What I mean by that to elucidate is like things like your own personal training, like things like, you know, even a lot of what we discussed earlier when we were training of just doing what you said you would do, taking the hard right over the easy wrong, uh, backing up your bullshit, having hard conversations despite the fact you don't really want to have them. Just the standards, almost like your own individual modus operandi. I don't think, well, to me, that comes back to authenticity of what you're talking about. And to me, you have to practice what you preach. Mm. But, you know, having said that, and obviously people have been called out before, there are a lot of people who don't do that and they do it the other way around. They talk the game without actually being able to back it up. Mm. But I think, I won't even say the military installed that. I think the military intensified that or, or sort of compounded it. But really that was, I think, drilled in my parents at a young age. Mm. You know, same as you, small farming background. It is, it is graft. And the one message that were was installed into us is it, it doesn't matter the results you get as long as you've always done your best. Having integrity, you know, simple things like telling the truth. Mm. You know, and I say even being a member of things like Scouts, Cubs and Scouts, the rugby coach that we had, I remember, you know, Ian Narraway was a really strong model. The way, like he, the, the team, the bond that we had and the ethos he instilled on us working for each other, mm. being there, like honesty, all, all of those traits. And then the military sort of compounds that that's carried through so for me if you're telling someone to do something in coaching in whatever form or speaking about something then like you said if you haven't been through that yourself 
it's not authentic. I think people will see through it. Mm. People are going to see through, they're going to see the real you. And even on the like social media and what you're posting uh, and the same for yourself, you need to show people that true side as much as you can, mm. that honesty, which is like social media is a real double-edged mm. sword. Yeah, no, I definitely get where you're coming from. Um, on the topic of rugby, I actually think rugby is probably unique as a sport for its propensity to build that understanding of team from a very early age. Like, obviously, I think you played in the forward pack as well. So understanding even like a, a tactical level, like scrummaging, like how, how that has to operate. And I remember when I start, first started to play sort of adult rugby, we found a great lesson from a YouTube, I'm going on a tangent here. There was a YouTube video, a YouTube series called um, All Blacks in the Engine Room. Showed like a day in the life and how they were training and stuff. We used to like idolize Manonu because he could do like two plate chin-ups and stuff. We're like, fucking beast. Um, and then it was a great lesson from their scrummaging coach. And he was like, right, all of you start clapping as loud as you can. Start clapping. And all eight forwards are clapping as loud as they can. I was like, right, okay, everyone stop apart from you. And it was just him clapping. He's like, is that really as hard as you can clap? He's like, no. And he started giving up the berries. He's like, so you see, you're all relying on the other man thinking he'll clap loud enough to make the noise. But you need to be giving it your 100%. Don't rely on the man to your left and your right to pick up the slack. And then when you know do that again, so one person starts clapping as hard as they can, the next person does the same, next person does the same, the volume had like doubled in intensity. And it's like, that's what we fucking want at every scrum time. So in the forward pack, having the understanding and then understanding that you're winning ball for the backs and the backs are going to convert that into points. That at a very, very young age, that kind of made sense to me from a teamwork perspective. And that was, you know, for me, the first time I experienced identity of belonging, like rugby was that for me. And that was what led me to think about the military because I was like, well, that's a place where, you know, I can really have an identity and belong. Unfortunately for me, my, my career didn't work out and was nowhere near as successful or illustrious as yours was. But that was kind of what led me down that route. And I think it's what a lot of men um, in business or otherwise actually are looking for is that teamwork and that unity and that belonging affiliation because it's kind of hard to get in the current world. And there's nothing like the feeling. And so the times I've had it are in the military, but the earliest times were in playing rugby. Mm. And to me, everything you've just talked about there, it's, I remember that being still, you, you work for each other. So I remember like we were, you know, it's drilled into us. You, you work to get to that breakdown, the next mm. breakdown, the next ruck or the next maul, because your teammates, mm. like he, whoever's taking that ball, they're on their own. Mm. You work, you fucking kill yourself to get to that next breakdown and next maul, and you work for those people. That was what was drilled in more than anything else. You work for everyone else around you. You kill yourself mm. for everyone else, and they'll do the same for you. And then it's the same in the military. You're killing yourself. You're you're working for those people. Actually, you don't want to let those mm. people down. And that was actually that inflection point in business or that change of where we were chasing money in the beginning and it just failed. And then when you make that shift in business and you see coaches talk at you know, successful people, stop worrying about how much money you're trying to make and mm. think about how much value you can give. And when you switch it to like that, and you're like, I'm going to work as hard as I can to get the best results possible for every single person mm. that comes through. And as soon as you do that, well, the revenue side will take care of itself because mm. you're, you're working for them. Like you work for your team whoever you've got in the business and you work for your clients to make sure you get them the very best result. I will say that to when people come on board. My only job is to get you results. That's it. Mm. And as soon as you make that shift and work for other people, then your own life becomes a lot easier. A hundred percent. And even, you know, taking that idea of being on the rugby paddock to like to like business, ultimately it comes down to self-leadership. Because even though you're working for the team, like you have to lead yourself in that moment. No one most of the time, no one's going to be screaming at you to resource that ruck. But if you know the process of, right, if I resource three out of every five rucks and each one of us is doing that, then like we're going to get 
secure ball on the front foot, tries to get scored, we do well, and then we're on the beers. Like, so everything's, everything's going our way. But then ultimately you have to take the professional stance of self-leadership outside of that environment and look at what are the things that contribute? What are the processes I can look for the 1% in to improve my ability to get to those three out of five breakdowns? What would it look like for me to get to 3.5 or four breakdowns? So looking at your recoverability for an example, because one thing that I see prolifically with business owners is they have that mindset that we've discussed, but oftentimes, you know, that operates on a continuum is not binary, but if you're always fucking seeing yourself off for the good of the team, then you actually become a liability. So, you know, if you're, if you are the guy who resources four out of every five breakdowns, if you're a Neil Back or Richie McCaw, right, then you have to have that same work ethic off the paddock about how you sleep, how you eat, getting your body work done, looking at your performance psychologist, all that sort of stuff. Otherwise, you're only going to do that for one game. And then your intensity just drops and drops and drops. And I had Ben Curry on, obviously, um, captain of Sale Sharks and an England player. And he said the exact same. He's like, in order to get to 100%, you have to know what 0% looks like. If you try and maintain 100%, like in your own personal time, it just becomes like a kind of sloppy 70. And you're not capable of stepping up the intensity when it matters. Taking also that same level of like, um, work hard for the team also means work hard in what you're doing in your own personal life. So not always going and getting fucking shyest as a distraction from the challenges you've got at work, or you know, not I guess just self-flagellating. And, and because and it's a really it's a really interesting point. And I'm looking to find the gray area here because as you'll know, in the military, the doctrine is my weapon, my kit, myself, and that works really well when you're in an exercise or in a deployment, right? Okay, but what happens when you're not and you're actually trying to improve your capabilities and you keep putting yourself last? as we both will say, like you can't serve from an empty vessel. Like, so learning as well to, to, to operate with that on a continuum and explore the nuances. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. We talk about it all the time. Like yeah. you, I mean, you nailed it perfectly. People slip into their always energy out. And so they get to the point where they, they feel like they're operating at their 90%, but their output is only their 50 or 60% because yeah. they haven't given any time for themselves. And they exactly that. They're not leading themselves. Hmm. You always talk about, you wouldn't, skip a business meeting and yet people will skip a workout or they'll skip yep. a yep. date or whatever it is, you know, that, that time mm. it kind of, I remember when, when I was in basic training through all Marines and we were on, and this is probably about midpoint through on an exercise and the training team took. So anyone that was a, an IC or a two IC of patrol and they took, so we'd been kind of put in the leadership positions and they took us away to a barn, you know, like, right, you've got four hours you you fucking you do nothing just chill out mm. and just because they wanted to see then what happened to how did everyone else cope yeah when that kind of hierarchy that had been established for the last few weeks was taken away and the lesson also to us was stop trying to do everything you need to get better at mm. delegating tasks like your job if you're in this ic position if you're putting that to position that doesn't mean you do everything you need to have that strategic overview and make decisions, but then trust other people to do it. Yeah. Delegate to people mm. because otherwise, exactly as you said, you're going to burn yourself out, your combat ineffective, and then everyone's, the whole patrol's combat ineffective. Yeah. So it was actually a good lesson that was that we, we had a really strong training team and that was a really good lesson to get. Yeah, because that's certainly countercultural for most sort of training, like basic training establishments. And that lesson obviously served you well to this point because delegation is probably the number one skill I work with business owners on, probably yourself, of like being able to delegate, outsource and replace more things so that they can stay firmly in the quadrant of what they're really good at. And when they're not in that quadrant of doing what they're really good at, 
is rest and recover and do less than your intuition is telling you to do. Like you and I was chatting on the car on the way here about sometimes it's invaluable to have the confidence to know you can dig out blind when your back's against the wall, but don't construct your life to engineer that at all times because it won't last and you will burn out. As as entertaining and exciting as it is at the moment, you know, and it is kind of fun when you're doing it. If you want to, if you want to go far, as you spoke about the teachings of the fucking the great Alex Ormosi, the goal is to comp is to stay in the game for as long as possible. And if you want to facilitate that, you have to overcome the limiting beliefs associated with. Well, firstly, other people can do shit better than you. They can do it faster than you <laughs> and, and and they can do an exponentially better job and come into terms with that. Yeah, John, I said John, who I'd run T&E with, he actually said this two days ago. He's like, our our aim should always be to get to the point where we are the dumbest, least skilled people mm -hmm. in the room. We want a team of people that are better in whatever their sphere is, whether that's sales, writing programs, delivery of events, whatever it is, that are far better than us at it. Mm -hmm. So all we're doing is the strategic driving of the mm. ship and letting go of that because you get sucked into it, obviously and it's something you're passionate about and you've built it and so it, it is hard to let because it also becomes part of your identity so mm. releasing that belief like you said and letting go of it and handing it off talking going back to Mosey, he says behind every single strategic shift in business is always a mindset shift mm. until you make the mindset shift you'll never take the strategic action mm. that's needed to take you to the next level it always comes back to the mind like the mind is primary and drives everything and it's always like you said we've talked about it loads of times today it's always us getting in the way of ourselves for some belief yeah. until you understand what that belief is and are able to change it. You're not going to change. You're going to stay stuck and you'll, you can fight that as much as you want and you'll try, but you'll, it's like an elastic band. You'll always get pulled back to the same point. Mm. And it's because people don't really understand that how powerful those subconscious drivers are. And until they unpick it and it's that aha moment of, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Okay. Now I know that's why I always do this right now. I have that information. I can actually start to change it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And following on from that, a, a, a kind of one line that I got from, from my mental performance coach a little while ago, Kieran was, um, most business owners don't have business problems. They have personal problems. And, uh, I kind of elucidate it on what you said there. And it is so true in the amount of business owners I work with and you'll be yourself. It's like, they're not delegating or if they're too stressed or if they're burnt out or overwhelmed, it's like, okay, what's the limiting belief that's causing that pattern of behavior that's eliciting that outcome and then you know if we look at Jocko's thing it's you know kind of extreme responsibility extreme ownership of what well, is actually my fucking flaw like it's, it's how I view handing that off so I'm now constructing my own burnout mm. by by failing to work on myself and I, I think you're very similar in this and that's how you engineer the thing of right look if we make you a better person you're going to have a better business because you're going to be more inclined to move towards pressure and to operate in those environments of uncertainty and kind of jump off the cliff and build the plane on the way down. This is something we talked about this morning. People don't translate skills across their life. Mm. So it's, it's the principles are pretty much the same, whether it's you're trying to improve physically, emotionally, with your relationships, with whether that's partner, kids, whatever it is, or in the business sphere. The principles are the same, but people don't apply them in the different spheres. And so when you do start, especially around that belief shift, it's not just that your business is going to run smoother. You're going to you're going to be present. You're going to have better relationship. You're going to have the conversations and build the communication that enables you to have a better relationship with your partner, be more present with your kids. Going back, actually rewinding a little bit to what you said, which I thought was brilliant, was when I have that vision vision of what I want to be doing, I picture the average Tuesday because that's what people miss. Mm. Everyone looks at life. And they think about the big things, promotions, graduation, getting married, whatever it is, is these big standout days. 
yeah, they're great and they are important, but they make up less, you know, probably less than 5% of our life. The 95% is dip. It's me and you right now chatting this. It's mm. an average, it's a Tuesday, it's a Wednesday. Like that is your life day to day. And if six days out of seven, generally you're not stress-free, pretty happy, content in what you're doing, finding fulfillment. You, obviously none of us are perfect. We're all human. You're going to have bad days. But in general, life shouldn't feel bad. It should feel generally good. And if it's not, then something is wrong. And if you're not fixing that and you're thinking that if I, if I can just get to this point over here and fix this one thing, then everything's going to change. It's not because this is life. And so how you are on a day-to-day -day basis, are you worrying too much? Are you feeling stressed? Are you feeling like an imposter? Is there self-doubt? Are you getting anxious about stuff? Whatever it is, you need to get to that root cause because the average Tuesday is your life. <laughs> so like, if you, like you said, if you're hating your average Tuesday, you've got to change it because mm. they're like, this is it. There's no reruns and yeah. you don't know what's going to happen mm. tomorrow, or the next day, you know, talking about one of you guys had that parachute accident. You just don't know. You've got mm. no idea what's around the corner yeah. and you don't want to get to that point when you're lying in the hospital bed, looking up and you've got 30 minutes left and go, why didn't, why didn't I make those mm. changes? Yeah. Uh, and that's a really powerful kind of sentiment. Uh, I've heard it said before. It was like, you know, you ever get that feeling when you are just drifting off to sleep at night and you get that, fuck, I didn't do that today. Like I didn't do that task that was important to me. Imagine that when you're on your deathbed and you're looking at all the things, you're like, well, that's it. Like, there's no second chance, there's no rerun. And to quote uh, a good friend of mine and someone who inspires me greatly, he's a guy called Keegan Hurst. He said in the talk I attended, like, no one will thank you for not being your authentic self. And no one's going to thank you for that. So although it's the highest act of courage to say, I'm going to put down societal expectations, I'm going to do what I want to fucking do. Like, well, ultimately, no one else's opinions is, is, is a variable in that which is really hard for a lot of people to swallow, especially me in my younger life, because I spent a fuck knows how much time being very bitter and outwardly resentful towards the world because I was trying to search for where I fitted in and where I belonged and trying to be something that I wasn't. And ultimately that led me to essentially a rock bottom point, very similar to yourself, it was like an inflection point because I was trying to be like the online coach and do it that way. And the, the challenge is oftentimes it, it creates a degree of success but then you realize you can't take it any further because you just cannot and will not grow into pain. Mm. And when you have that rock bottom moment, you realize like, well, this is the inflection point and I now want to do life on, on my terms. So speak to me a little bit about, you know, the inflection point that you had when you're like, fuck it, like, let's just go all in, let's go, let's go for broke. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you nailed it there talking because ultimately no one cares. And probably actually, you know, we, funny enough, you talk about that. I, that's actually just come to me when you were speaking about it. I guarantee when John and I, we had when we were initially like let's start we're going to be make loads of cash and make the business i guarantee part of that was the status point of like yeah because you know we'll be successful and everyone know we'll be successful mm. and we can say yeah we started a business and made loads of cash and blah blah blah. going through that process and it just not working and it, it not feeling good and then being back at the farm and just being let's just do something we care about mm. it was it's almost letting go of that because like, like everyone else is buying houses and getting married and i'm living with my mate back and forth back on the farm with my parents sharing a car to go on dates we'd arrange them at the same time and place so we could go <laughs> meet people and you're like no one cares like, you, 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 we talked about oh, you get to get no one cares we all get so wrapped up and especially with social media now but we're also wrapped up in our own lives no one cares it's like the classic people go to the gym and everyone thinks everyone's looking at them and so they're really self-conscious and everyone's thinking the same thing like everyone inherently humans we are selfish mm. no one fucking cares no one cares no one cares that you did whatever in the military or you're doing whatever in your business and as soon as you let go of that and it's just like you said i'm going to do something i want to do mm. and that does come with you are going to do something 
there's always going to be people no matter what you do who think you're a dick think you're shit, like just don't like the stuff that you do you just yeah. like you can't and if you try and be that person who pleases anyone everyone you're going to end up pleasing no one and especially not yourself and so i think it, it, it sometimes takes maybe it takes an event or maybe you know some people maybe they can just do it through through that kind of reflection and inflection but like you and for me we almost had to go to that rock bottom point and you just have that realization like no one cares yeah. what's going on and it, yeah. it's very freeing when you do get to it because you then do you're like well i'm i'm now doing something i'm following something that i love and i'm passionate about and that's meaningful to me and it is i suppose i did have it and i hadn't joined the dots i've talked about before my most meaningful or fulfilling part in the military or one of them was on selection finishing the jungle phase i didn't you don't know if you passed at that point but i was on the helicopter out and looking down at the tree canopy and i just had that very quick you know the rotor blades are on you you're not talking to anyone in your own world and it was just a very inter i'd met an internal marker of i knew that i'd done all that i could have mm. in that in that jungle phase i couldn't have given any more it was all left on the table i was worked as hard as i could to the best of my ability and so it was almost if i wasn't good enough then i wasn't i wasn't good enough but i'd met my internal metrics of doing everything that i could mm. as you were talking about earlier you don't want to look back when you're in the changing rooms even from the rugby pitch mm. and go i know i had that extra five percent in the tank or ten percent and i didn't give it mm. and so that was that process of training for and building towards selection and getting to that point was probably more fulfilling and satisfying than the actual result of passing badging day wasn't was to me wasn't as fulfilling as that point that internal marker leaving the jungle and you know that's a really really good sign that you know you're on the right path for something is that even when no one's watching no one you know obviously no one was there no one i hadn't mm. got a barrier i hadn't passed on instagram just yeah pack, just pack <laughs> yeah <laughs> if, if no one else sees what you would be doing would you still be doing it and mm. would you enjoy it if you're not enjoying the process same with business you mm. wouldn't have stuck with this as long as you had in the same way we wouldn't have if you didn't have a passion, you, mm. your passion, you know, spending that day, that training session with you today, I've, I've taken away so much from it and learned so much from it because I enjoy training. I love training, but I'm not, I couldn't tell you anything about biomechanics mm. couldn't tell you any of the science behind it by the very basics, but you can, because you love it mm. and you, you know, you, you, the book you bought is 200 quid. Like no one's going to, who's going to spend 200 quid on a obscure book around yeah, like the human body. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're not going to do it because you love doing it. And that's when you know you're on the right path because you're following something that you're really passionate about. I'm going to take a moment to introduce the listeners or the viewers on YouTube to Elsie. Elsie, sit. Who is Simon's dog. She's a fucking legend, by the way. She's been in the water today, done all sorts of fun stuff. Podcasts are better with dogs in attendance. So I'm just going to take a moment for, for her to take the limelight. She deserves it. Like 100%. And, and like I said, the challenge is that some people will have uh, success early on, even though they're not being their authentic selves. They're dressing a certain way, talking a certain way, becoming a certain person. And then they're going to feel this degree of dissonance. They feel unauthentic. They feel unhappy. And I've, I've certainly felt that way of like, almost like you realize you've constructed a prison of your own volition and you're like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. When you're able to get to the point that you spoke about, which is, I really like the, spoke, the fact you spoke about it being freeing of just being able to let go and say like, I, 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 I surrender to this. I'm letting go of society's expectations. If I'm not good enough, fucking so be it. Cause I could not have done any more. And I just want to be true to myself. Whilst this is sounding enormously spiritual and woo woo, there's so much fucking power in it because then you come, I don't think I invented this term, but you become the phrase unfuckwithable. 
Like, because you're not necessarily concerned about other people's opinions because you've met your true authentic self. And if we talk about business as a domain in which that is true, I genuinely believe business is the number one personal development course in the fucking world. Because every day you're going to be pressured, pulled, tested, challenged, not like putting out fires, but you know, you're going to be the way in which you make decisions, your tendencies, your inclinations are going to be exposed and they'll turn up on your bottom line if you're not operating in the right way through the right vision uh, that's authentic to you. So when you're able to let go of other people's expectations and let go of what the world sees about you and what you spoke about there when you, you were flying out of the jungle and just kind of say, well, I've done everything that I can, um, then that's kind of the, the spiritual side of what we refer to as being hard to kill is like, well, what more? I, I could not do any more. And even if it comes up that I'm not good enough, fucking so be it. Like, what else could I have done? I think um, I think one key point to make with this, because you can easily fall in, like you were saying earlier, people watch this and go, oh, it's all right for you. You went through that and had this epiphany moment. This is, it's still work. Like mm. just, so yes, you get to the point where you can let go of it, but we're all still human. Mm. Like evolutionary is programmed into a status. If I get, you know, a, a shitty feedback email on something or mm. a comment on a post it's still the, the chimp still wants to jump up the bite. ego still wants to go oh no you, you also have to start, you like want to reply and write out this really and win that win that mm. argument it's it's not that those this is the whole point and like our core ethos around mindset as a skill set that mm. still requires what like all the stuff we've talked about it's not just the process of having the events that we've had and that epiphany was magical you have to put the work in around it to your mind, like catching yourself in those moments, catching that self-talk, understand when you're going down those negative pathways, falling into that like restrictive bound nature and then finding ways to change that. And you need to put the reps in mm. exactly the same way you would with physical training. This isn't like we've had some magic epiphany and now we're free of it and nothing ever bothers us and nothing. Mm. Of course not. Like everyone still has that. But through these experiences, it's all about how you what you how you frame the experience because mm. everything we've described here you could frame it in the kind of way we've been able to or you frame it in a way as everything's against me this is shit mm. i'm suffering it's all going wrong mm. and that applies just on the day-to-day -day as well like every time something does worry you'll start to worry which we all have no one's free of it but if you can catch it and step back from those thoughts and emotions that's when all of this starts to happen everything we've spoken about mm. but it takes work it takes training it doesn't it's not magical it's not that someone's just given this power mm. you have to cultivate it actively yeah 100 percent. i couldn't align with that more closely especially the correlation with like physical training you don't do one set of deadlifts ever and be like right it's completed it now i'm strong at deadlifts now you know so you might have a glance of their mental high performance coming at it from a neurobiological perspective like you have to ingrain that pathway if we look at myelinization of the tissues and neuroplasticity people you know obviously know that the brain brain is plastic and you can learn new skills the brain isn't always plastic one of the things that initiates plasticity is frustration so if you're not putting yourself in new environments and experiencing frustration and setbacks then you're not learning shit like that's just the reality of it so continuing to put yourself in an amount of stress run that process train that muscle you and i actually spoke about it this morning at like fucking half six in the morning as we we're about to jump in a freezing cold dark lake is like training that amcc of i don't want to do this every fiber of my being as i'm getting unclothed is like you fucking idiot do not get in that water but you train that impulse control and you can train it you know again as we said then when you're about to have a hard conversation you don't want to have when you do have to burn um the candle at both ends maybe for a day or two when you have to stay late, when you have to put yourself last because there's maybe members of team that need further support, whatever that may be, 
And that's the benefit of doing hard things in any capacity because it, it trains that capacity. As you said, mindset is a skill set and train that fucking skill set. It's a perishable skill. Yeah, I mean, you just summed it up. I think that's a yeah, brilliant summary. Yeah, I know you've got an amazing sandwich waiting for you. Um, Second half. Right <laughs> so, so I just want to say it's been an incredible pleasure not only to record this podcast, um, but also to spend a day with you, you know, learn about your philosophies, your business, what you're doing and, you know, the success that you've rightfully deserved and what you're now continuing to create as well. Where can people um, find you or hear more from you um, or even see the, the episode on YouTube we created today? Yeah, so the episode on YouTube that we've created, that's not going to go out until early next year because talking about business, business success or failure, other things got busy, mm. YouTube fell off the track, so we're building back up a mm. backlog. So that will go out early next year. The other, everywhere else, it's thenaturaledge.com or the Natural Edge on social media. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on and having James and myself up for the day. It's been brilliant. I enjoyed it. Cheers, mate. Perfect. <laughs>